Hi there and welcome to another Oslo podcast. My name is Todd Fraser. Psychiatric emergencies are one of the most challenging presentations that occur in the pre-hospital space. Many present to emergency departments where, it must be said, they struggle to receive the care they need. An alternative approach is being explored in Queensland, Australia, where a senior paramedic and clinician are attending patients in their own homes. David Hardstaff is an experienced paramedic who works in the Queensland Ambulance Service Mental Health Co-Response Unit on the Sunshine Coast in Australia. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks very much for having us. David, what are some of the presentations that patients with psychiatric or psychological presentations have pre-hospital? Uh, well, they're very varied. Uh, there's a range of presentations they have, depending on the psychological condition. We have people with mania. Uh, we have people with mood disturbances. And a lot of the mental health uh, initially is some sort of behavioural issue. Um, it's kind of a, a bit of an unknown until we get to those situations of how we deal with that um, and then get them to access the best care from there, which is not necessarily an emergency department. What are some of the challenges that paramedics face in that pre-hospital environment in terms of managing patients who have an acute psychological or psychiatric condition? Uh, the biggest challenge I find is the unknown. So every case is a case-by-case situation um, and it can range from someone who's alcohol-affected who may not actually have a mental health background. Um, so it's, it's solving the puzzle when we arrive and that can be difficult if we don't know the background of the person, we don't know a lot of the situations that they've come from, the situations that are in. It's always challenging pre-hospital because we don't have uh, a bit more of a stable environment. So it's always late at night it can be. It can be in isolated situations. Um, there's always possibility of police involvement. There's still um, a large range of uh, violence that can be involved in that situation as well. So it's pretty much each situation has to be managed case by case and it's a little bit of a structural breakdown to work out what exactly is going on in that circumstances um, to solve the maybe the offender or a violent issue first, then maybe looking at a medical etiology of why they've called. It could be an underlying cause of a mental illness. The fact that they may not even have a mental illness, it might be a behavioural issue. Um, so it's kind of a little puzzle on the way to get to the end point of what the actual call is for, um, which can be difficult. And it could even be third-party callers are a very big uh, part of our job as well. So the person may not even know we're turning up. I've certainly woken a few people up late at night to check on their mental health and they didn't require anyone. It's a friend of a friend who's concerned about somebody and it's more along the lines of a welfare check. So it's very varied in the pre-hospital field. Um, when you get to hospital, you end up with an end product and then you can deal with the situation from there. But there's a lot that happens before we get to hospital. Yeah. To help address this issue, Queensland Ambulance Service is rolling out a co-responder program. Can you tell us about that program? So the program started about 12 to 18 months ago, initially down towards Beanley, Gold Coast area, south of Brisbane. It's worked its way up now to the Sunshine Coast so it started here in April and it's going up towards Cairns, Townsville, up the eastern seaboard of Australia for Queensland. So it's a collaboration between uh, Queensland Health, Queensland Mental Health specifically, and the Ambulance Service. We've combined the two agencies to deal with the mental health in the pre-hospital setting uh, out in the, in the community itself. And the aim is to 
work out the best solution for people um, and generally it is not, not the emergency department. In most of our hospitals now, to access mental health services, you have to go through the emergency department. You can't directly go to a mental health facility. So it's trying to um, gain those services for the consumer in the actual home or in the community that they're in without going through a medical pathway, um, which is better for the consumer, not necessarily, and it also has a follow-on effect, better for services, better outcomes for people. And it's certainly much nicer to deal with people in their own home or in the community than placing them in an emergency department on a Saturday night, for example. It is not the right environment for a lot of people with mental health illnesses. Um, so it's having a positive outcome. So I think it's the understanding that the governments and the ambulance have worked out how to best do that, and that's by using the mental health practitioners, which are all clinical nurse consultants from a medical health background, and then combining it, how do we put those people in the field, combining it with paramedics in the field, um, and it's working extremely well. David, partnering this with Queensland Ambulance Service, what's the role of the paramedic in this process? So it has a little bit of a dual function. The primary role of the paramedic is to understand any medical etiology causing mental health symptoms. Uh, because someone has behavioural issues, as we know, it's not necessarily uh, purely from a mental health background or a psychological causative. It can be from a medical background, like a purely a fever, uh, dementia, um, drugs, alcohol, um, is definitely a cause of the symptoms that are displayed by mental health. So it's really up to the paramedic to, to initially assess whether there is an underlying cause of that mental health that is medical related, which is then for a transfer to the emergency department to be assessed by the medical physicians there. And it becomes a medical issue, not necessarily a mental health issue. So we deal with that in two ways. Um, the clinicians that work with us are highly experienced mental health RNs and clinicians as well. So they have a good background in understanding the medical causes of, um, of mental illness. Um, so the initial way is paramedics also have the access. Um, we have access to police, security. We deal in the pre-hospital field. Um, so to aid that, facilitate, help facilitate uh, bringing on nurses um, who are used to working in maybe a more clinical role in hospitals into that pre-hospital late at night field is helped by a paramedic. Um, certainly looking for a security background of, uh, you know, there's, it's not always easily presented at some houses and uh, accommodation settings that may be unfamiliar to someone working in the hospital environment. So it's a collaboration between the two. But my main role is to predominantly work out if it's a medical cause of the problem first. If that's the case, they have to go to hospital. Um, if not, then we can generally solve the problem in the community, yeah. You mentioned a couple of them, but what are the um, the, the common uh, medical causes for behavioural disturbance that you see in your practice? Well, the most common one is alcohol, unfortunately. People who are intoxicated um, have behavioural issues and we get a lot of call-outs that, um, especially around the, uh, the suicides, the um, overdoses causing behavioural problems, they're erratic um, similar to a manic sort of states, they're smashing walls or it's more of a behaviour issue. So alcohol is a, definitely a problem, drugs, but you can have uh, infection processes, sepsis, um, that do cause uh, delirium, for example. 
So we have to be careful of understanding the difference between a neurological problem. So people can have issues with uh, strokes and vision problems that are not mental health problems. Um, we have a greater understanding because we do get a lot of background information before we turn up. We know the person's name. We can look up their medical records from a mental health point of view. So we can rule out a lot of those prior to arriving on scene. But again, it's up to a good clinician to work out if it's 100% a medical problem or a diagnosable or a treatable or some sort of method to leave them in the community with a mental health. Um, an example would be uh, an elderly patient. It would be rare that a presentation of a mental illness occurs in the late age, you know, the 65 age group upwards as a first presentation. So therefore, it's probably more likely to be dementia or some sort of onset in, uh, in that setting or an underlying cause, you know, neurological stroke type symptoms, TIAs, et cetera, that is not a mental health problem. But again, we target a lot of the jobs specifically that are mental health related before we go to that job. If it looks like it has a medical cause, then we generally will not flag it and we'll leave the acute care paramedics to arrive and assess them and take them to hospital first, yeah. So what sort of um, outcomes are you seeing from this program? What impact is it having? Currently, uh, on the Sunshine Coast, we leave 80% of the people that we see behind. That's our latest figure. Across the state, it's approximately 70, 73% that they're leaving behind. Um, and that's not to say that there would be normal uh, paramedics that would leave some of those people behind as well. But we get a lot more information and background knowledge on the person prior to arriving. A lot of the people that we see um, have caseworkers. They're already engaged in the mental health system. Um, we just aid in facilitating different pathways for them. So we're able to leave them at home um, more than what an average crew would because of that background knowledge and also the experience of the clinician that we carry. We carry senior mental health clinicians who are able to deal with a lot of people's uh, expectations and outcomes of the situation really quickly and provide them a better pathway than what they would in an emergency department. So it's having a really big flow-on effect for the consumer, the person at the other end who needs these services. As you mentioned, it's being rolled out progressively across Queensland, but for those uh, areas that won't have coverage, at least in the short term, what are the sorts of issues that you see um, or the problems that some paramedics have in dealing with these types of patients and have you got any tips and tricks for, for helping them? Um, it is a little bit problematic if you don't have access to information. One of the hardest things for a paramedic is we generally arrive on scene to a house. That's the address that we get. We don't know the person that we're going to. Whereas now that I have the access to that information, I can get the person's name, mental health background, or if they don't have a mental health issue, it may be related to something else. So the, the information is important. Queensland Ambulance now has a 24-hour hotline, um, our consult line, and we can dial directly to mental health services who can provide that information, which is uh, a great asset for any paramedic in the state. They can phone the consult line, press 2, and they'll be talking to a mental health clinician who has that background information. So if they can get a name and a date of birth and they can consult with that person as well as they would a medical consult to our medical director's office, they can consult with a mental health clinician. They can't make decisions for you on scene. That's still the responsibility of a paramedic, whether they leave someone behind or take them to the emergency department. 
but it may give you a bit more information and reasoning of why it may be more appropriate to leave someone behind or enable them to connect to services the next day or uh, better facilitate referrals that are not through an emergency department. So I'd encourage all paramedics to use that service um, if they're not accessing mental health practitioners in their own fields, yeah. I just think uh, for the future, I think it's paramedics need to get more involved in the mental health side of things. So it's our second or third highest call every day. So we get a lot of training in cardiology. We get a lot of training in falls. We get a lot of training in stroke. It can be a little bit difficult to now that we're dealing with a lot, you know, our fourth highest call out in mental health. So it's for me, it's the little bit of trying to educate paramedics to start taking up more postgraduate studies and more interest in mental health because it is nearly a quarter of our workload now. David, thanks very much for joining us on the program and uh, sharing your thoughts with this fantastic new program. Cheers. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Get access to all our podcast interviews, as well as hundreds of modules, journal reviews, quizzes and articles by downloading our free app. Search for My Osler wherever you get your apps or visit our website at oslercommunity.com.